0: Students of Life radio podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to Students of Life, the podcast where we chat with people about how their education has applied to their lives personally, professionally, and beyond. This week we are joined by Maria Grima, who recently became an environmental policy analyst contractor on the operations and regulatory services team at NOAA's Office of Sustainable Fisheries. Maria graduated from Stony Brook University with both her bachelor's in environmental studies and her master's in marine sciences. And uh, Maria, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. It's a beautiful day. I'm thankful for AC on this hot day in particular.
0: (laughs) It's funny you say that because my podcast recording studio if i can call it that uh has had an ac malfunction
1: oh no so, so
0: yeah i'm running a fan system at the moment and it is uh it's not up to par let's just say that yeah mm. and uh i may or may not be already in a bathing suit to go swimming later for that reason because it's uh it's hard it's hard this time of year <laughs> to not have ac for sure
1: yeah no that sounds like a great plan.
0: I think it is. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's my perfect ideal work day. Do a podcast, go swimming at the beach. Can't go wrong with that. Right. No. Um, so anyways, yeah, I wanted to have you on the podcast because of course you took my class. Um, geez, a while ago now, probably right. Uh, do you remember how long ago that was? I don't even remember.
1: Well, you know what I did before this, uh, podcast, I pulled up my digication website.
0: Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> and I
1: was reading through a bunch of my old papers that I wrote in your class and giving oh, myself a good laugh. I should have and done
0: that. I should have looked those up. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Um, I It seems to be 2014. I think I had you in my wow. first semester as a freshman.
0: That might have been my first class, actually. Really? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I think that that was the first semester I taught. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow! All right. Well, testament to how great of a uh, student you were, and obviously how great of a professor I am. That look at us now, you know, <laughs> still crushing <Yes>. it <laughs> th- these years later. Um, but yeah, I wanted I wanted to have you on the podcast because. Obviously, I I talk about this a lot on the podcast, how it's so interesting to talk to students who have uh, graduated. They've gone on to do so many different interesting things in so many different fields. And I've been in communication with you, obviously, over the years because um, I myself am a huge, uh, I guess you could call me a beach ocean clean up advocate i don't know what my official title along those lines is but i love doing you know conservation work um beach cleans those types of events i organize a lot of those and of course you in the field of marine sciences um it's always great to see what you're sometimes you know maybe posting on social media or talking about um because that's how i learn so much more so yeah i was kind of curious starting with that i think if you wanted to just tell us a little bit about, um, the type of work that you do now, um, maybe how you got into that and, um, what you maybe like, or found, find interesting about all of that.
1: Yeah. Um, it's been quite a journey for me. And most of that journey was at Stony Brook. <laughs> mm. Once I started in 2014, I never really left. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I got my undergrad in 2014, and then I stayed on with a lab that I interned at, worked there for a year, and then did my master's there. And then I worked there for a year again, and now I'm I'm in my position as a policy analyst contractor. Um, And before, I would say I was doing more... Science kind of work I was doing restoration hands on with the local Shinnecock Bay restoration program. If you're familiar with them, I see sometimes that we follow the same people on social media, so oh, yeah. we definitely have mutual contacts. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny
0: um, how those worlds overlap when you're doing you know one thing and another, and there is a lot of that crossover on social media.
1: Yes, yes, and you know I always love seeing your posts as well. Um, But yeah, so I was doing science research, mostly hands-on work. Um, I occasionally worked with global marine protected areas. So this was more on the policy end. Um, And it was more through the UN or for specific countries. Like I worked on a publication uh, mapping out all of the marine protected areas that were available in China. Um, so that kept me busy for a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds like it's it's something that could take up some time, yeah.
1: yeah, it took a long time. <laughs> uh, but it was worth it. Um, and now I'm doing policy contracting work. Um, basically, I support the regulatory services division of the Office of Sustainable Fisheries. And I and my team take a look at pretty much any document that has to do with federal waters and regulations and we edit it. So your class actually has been particularly helpful to me because I am now an editor for Ocean Rules. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it would
0: come in handy. Our writing skills. Yeah.
1: I think I have thoughtful writing on my bookcase.
0: That's amazing. From
1: your class. Wow. I think I'm looking at it right now.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) That's a good that's a good one. I, I like that book. Yeah.
1: Yes. We wow. actually had two copies for a while because Nathaniel had his, too.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. You would have the multiple copies. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I, I have to tell the I know the author of it. He used to teach at Stony Brook uh, for, oh. for many years. So I'll tell him that it's it's still out there.
1: <laughs> it is. That's great. It's on my bookshelf at Massachusetts.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's that's spreading influence. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> wow. So I, God, there's so much there. Um you know, it's interesting to hear sort of these different, um, I, I don't know what to call them, realms that you've been involved in, maybe, um, and how they're, they are categorized within, you know, your your field. But it always stands out to me as really interesting because I, I sort of feel this way career-wise. And I think it's, you know, it's largely true for many people in many fields that I think, and I see this with my undergrads a lot, they go into a field of study, a major thinking, okay this is my career track. I'm going to become a doctor, right? I'm going to become a, you know, certain type of professional. And it's, it's sometimes like a very narrowed purview. It's like, there's this one lane, this one Avenue, and that's sort of the final outcome that they, they're planning to, to reach. But with so many of these, um, different areas of study you really don't know where they develop and it's interesting how they develop and change over time I, I use this example with my computer science students a lot of times that well computer science didn't exist not that long ago so it's not surprising that like a lot of the jobs within that field it's like you might start your uh, studies in colleges and undergrad thinking oh i can get a job in computer science doing this and by the time you graduate that job's either gone or there's something new or different that it's like, oh, I can do that or I really want to do that or I really rather do that. And so thinking about something like marine sciences is interesting to me because obviously, I I mean, I would assume marine sciences have been around for a long time, but I mean, was that something that you were studying uh, when you started marine science and, and whether or not is that something that thinking about where you've gone with your career experiences and where you are now? Is that the track that you had planned, or is it something that kind of manifested? Where if you were to look back at Maria in you know two thousand fourteen, you would say, "Oh, you have no idea where you're going to end up," or or some idea.
1: So definitely twenty fourteen Maria, at least my first semester had no idea what she was doing. She <laughs> had gone to you had some Stony Brook. idea.
0: There, there, the papers were great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, go German or go home in hindsight, not the best title.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, you wrote you wrote that's still to this day one of my favorite research papers. It was about how German shepherds are the like the best dog, right? Yes. The fact that I remember that <laughs> means that it's a great paper, trust me. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um but okay, so 2014 Maria thought she was gonna be a doctor, not because she wanted to be, but because that's what everybody goes to Stony Brook University for. Um But I met a bunch of really cool people um, where I was living in the dorms at Stony Brook. And they kind of were telling me all about their majors within the School of Marine and Atmospheric Science and Sustainability Studies. And I was like, hmm, I really liked my AP environmental science class. And I loved that teacher as well. And we were still like in contact at that point. So I made the leap and I decided I wanted to major in environmental studies and get as much hands-on experience as possible. Um, and hands-on experience at that time was pretty hard to come by if you weren't looking for it. Um, so I ended up doing a bunch of study abroad programs. When I say a bunch, I mean two, but- <laughs> That's two went... more
0: than I did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I went to Kenya Uh, And I studied human origins. I had originally signed up for their sustainability school because I thought, oh, what a better introduction to the field, you know, than to study sustainability in Kenya. But they actually didn't have enough students to run it at that time. So they smushed me in with the human origins kids. And honestly, that was still so fun. Had the time of my life, learned so much. And their system of teaching was like so effective instead of taking five classes at once we took one class for two weeks and that's all you took like all day long was that class and they were hands-on activities like paleontology or archaeology um so that was really fun and then at that point I was like oh you know I'm going to be an archaeologist because this is the fun the most fun I've ever had uh, in the classroom um and then I came back and you know i took a whole nother semester at stony brook through the winter you know how that could be the great stony brook winters
0: oh i know the stony brook winter course yeah
1: (laughs) i was like oh my god what am i doing with my life do i actually want to be a paleontologist i was removed at this point from Mm -hmm. it because i had been you know home for the winter and then i signed up to go to madagascar cuz i was like you know what i got to get out of here got to do it got to leave and it was so fun <laughs> i got so much like hands on stuff in um i wanted to try and get a taste of working in all of the different realms i used to say biomes but that's not a really good example because the ocean's not really a bio but
0: oh that's interesting yeah <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tried. I tried out the desert. I tried out the rainforest right. in between those two opportunities. I um, did semester by the sea in Southampton. Um And I honestly, I only did that because it knocked out the marine science minor. Mm. And I had a friend who was doing it. So I was like, you know, this sounds a, like a really cool, you know, experience. And I know myself by now after doing this study abroad program that this is how I learn best is through hands on learning. So let's just do that. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. Um, right. I remember on the first day of class, I didn't even know what a dorsal fin was. And everyone looked at me like, dude, what? How are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What the heck?
0: <laughs> They're like, get I, with the program.
1: <laughs> get with the program. And yeah, so I didn't know anything about marine science before Mm. i did that and i that ended up being the field that i got into (laughs) um yeah most of my opportunities have just been in marine science and they've been guiding me down this path um and i was offered to basically get funded for a master's project in the marine science department so i was like i gotta take this this is an awesome opportunity um But yeah, it was kind of happenstance. Like, I really enjoy my work and I wanted to do something in the environmental realm. But, you know, it was a journey getting here and I had no idea where the ship was sailing.
0: (laughs) Pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that sort of speaks to exactly what I was saying earlier, right? This idea that you went in with a totally different mindset even and and it's interesting sometimes students have that mindset very concrete and others i notice it by i I don't know even sometimes weeks into the first semester they're thinking i can't do these uh undergraduate medical courses you know (laughs) (laughs) this isn't gonna this just isn't gonna happen for however many more years right Um, yeah so i i feel like a lot of students they come to these realizations over time but it's interesting to to really hear about how your experience, I think, really speaks to the fact, and it's kind of, I feel like it's almost a devalued aspect of college and the college experience at this point. It's almost sort of, um, like, people kind of make fun of it, the idea of, oh, you go to college if you don't know what to do, or it's a waste of time, you know, if you want to do something, just sort of study it or figure it out or start working in the field. But at the same time, this is sort of what I think in part, college should be. It should be meeting other people, new people who are doing different things and are interested in different things and can sort of help you realize that, oh, yeah, maybe I should try this, right? It's sort of that that value, that inherent, um, I think, focus of thinking, well, what if I try this and, and learn more about it and see what there is to it and what further pathways or connections sort of develop from there? So that's really interesting to hear because that sounds like such a generative experience in terms of... Kind of even along the way, still, you know, maybe at certain points you did have a a better or clearer sense of of where you wanted to go or what you wanted to do, but it still continued to develop. Like there were still new things where then you tried that and you're like, oh, maybe I should continue to do this. Right. Uh, You know, at one point you're planning on being a paleontologist now or an archaeologist. And (laughs) um, but then again, that sort of journey that those pathways continue to develop. So um, that's really interesting to hear because I hear that again so much. at Stony Brook with medical uh, students um, as well as like engineers. But it's interesting to hear that from an environmental or sustainability studies perspective, because me personally, that's something that I'm so interested in. And I don't have a ton of students who do that compared to those other areas of study. So when I, I meet those students, I'm always I'm so excited, and they reach out to me too because they find I do all this beach clean conservation stuff, and I'm like, oh man, we got to talk, <laughs> you know. Um, so I can sort of point them sometimes in directions, and and again, I'm not a marine biologist myself, but you never know who you talk to where where they can sort of uh, point you. It's really interesting, I think, um, and I, I think as I said before, that's something that we really should be valuing more with college education. The fact that that's become sort of mocked, I feel almost in in a way is kind of very, um, very disappointing to me. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> yes. Honestly, like I dread to know the Maria that never dormed at college because she would be so like, I don't want to say close minded, but, I was exposed to so many important things in college that I just would have never gotten in my hometown, like mm. education aside, like cultural values. Um, and I just think it's so important. I advocate whenever possible for kids to dorm. Mm. I lived in Nassau. I had no reason to dorm at Stony Brook. Mm. <laughs> you know, right. I'm going yeah. to take it LIRR. But, you know, I wanted the experience and like the kind of like cultural awakening that I got you know, on top of the educational awakening that I got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great point too. The idea that when you're in a community like that, that is, it's, it's odd. It's almost like, a. I mean, I guess you can call Stony Brook an international university more than anything, right? If you think about the student population and the people that you meet there, it's really fascinating to me where I mean, I just look at the makeup of one of my classes and it's very representative of the human population, which I think is, again, an undervalued factor that you can have this uh, university in a specific place. And if you think about demographically, it's relatively representative of the rest of the world where you have you know a lot of people from Asia, you have a lot of people from the Middle East, you have other people from all over the country, you have um, some people... Obviously, from the United States, but some of them are first generation. Uh, Some of them, you know, maybe their families have been around for certain amounts of years longer than others. So you really do get this um, ability, you get this opportunity to, as you were saying, sort of um, meet people and see Cultures that you just wouldn't it's its not even that you wouldn't be exposed to them You wouldn't be exposed to like the daily lives. I think of yes. these people, right? I, I think that's, you know Something that's really interesting about it, too And that's sort of like you're saying if you if you didn't dorm you would have maybe seen these people But you wouldn't have been maybe in, in as close quarters with them, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent and honestly even seeing them. I mean, my town was like one square mile, like very homogeneous, like mm-hmm. middle yeah. class white people. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. like almost no diversity. Um, so it was, it was very important and it was a great experience to come to Stony Brook and see, you know, a place that's more representative of what the world actually looks like.
0: <laughs> right. And that's what it comes down to, right? It, it's yeah. the reality that the world is a much more comprehensive um i don't know what we can call it tapestry of <laughs> you know yes. different types of people different types of cultures different types of experiences too you know it it's it, it's really interesting it challenges your own worldview too but i think it in turn helps develop it like it almost do you feel that way it makes you more um like forget about changing your views i think it just makes you more of an empathetic person in a lot of ways right
1: yes yes hundred yeah. percent like yeah. you aren't just seeing these people around, which is a step up from where I was at, but you are interacting with them. You're becoming friends with them. You're supporting them. They're supporting you. So, you know, you develop a bond and you start, you know, to realize a deeper empathy um, in this situation.
0: Yeah. It's interesting as well as you're saying that, because I was thinking about, we were talking earlier with social media and I don't know about you, but I feel as if uh, I, I hate being this guy who's saying that. Oh, it gets worse and worse. I feel like <laughs> with social media and just toxicity on social media. But I, I do. Uh, there's something about it, and and again, this is why I like, you know, coming back from COVID and being in person and actually having to like meet with people and work with people. I like so much better because I still notice it on social media where. I mean, people, you know, I, I feel is this this is true more and more. They comment on my posts and it's just the most toxic, negative, just trolly stuff. And it's it's all just sort of I mean, again, this isn't I don't, this isn't everybody. There's so many great people I've met, do, you know, posting about conservation work and the environment and stuff. But you do get these and it's always strangers. It's always these just random people who you, you you don't know you've never met and they're saying these things and it's like, you would never walk up to me and say this. That's insane. <laughs> but the, the anonymity of it, um, it, it creates this, there's this distance and, um, it just always like worries and frustrates me with, with social media and how, um, it, it almost sometimes can like isolate people more in a way I feel like, um, I don't know what that has to do with what we were saying, but you just made me think of that as we were talking. (laughs) Um, Do you you see that at all with like I think my point is that I've seen it with posting environmental conservation stuff. So, like, for example, I posted something the other day and all these just randos started commenting how much of a terrible person I was for dumping my cigarette butts all over the beach and how I just want attention and I don't really care about the environment. And I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, my millions of followers and millions of dollars from doing all this work, you know, that's clearly why I'm in it. Right. But um, like, do you get that at all with, um, you know, sometimes like conservation stuff or have you been pretty fortunate <laughs> with that? <laughs> like, do you find that sometimes like trolls and stuff like that?
1: So I definitely have had trolls like. Mm-hmm. In many of the things that I post, especially on Facebook, I hardly use Facebook anymore because yeah. I just simply cannot deal with the comments sometimes. I,
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I use it feel, to just
0: post events. That's it.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I feel like it was less conservation kind of trolling because I think even the most climate change skeptic type person on my friends list. Like, you know, we'll just grumble, you know, and like, leave it be like, there's no real back and forth and back and forth and passion behind that. This is a hoax, you know, but right. Yeah. Um, I actually, it's funny because in person once I actually had that happen. Um, Oh, really? I was recording for my radio show moment of science, um, in the W usb studio at stony brook Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago several years ago now and i was talking with somebody about climate change and carbon dioxide and i don't remember the specifics of what was going on but all of a sudden someone comes through to the studio and is like this is a hoax carbon is good like trees are carbon and i'm like what are you saying man and like we were on air and i was like what
0: <laughs> that's wild
1: it was it was completely unhinged um but that is the most memorable troll that <laughs> i've ever experienced relating to conservation
0: <laughs> so that's my point though that, that that's that's a great anecdote because that's exactly what i'm saying where to do what these people do on social media in person is so insane <laughs> It and is. that example is proof of that where you would all be sitting there thinking this person is is just completely nuts. Yes. This is not I mean, how you have a productive conversation. <laughs> if you disagree, this is not a reasonable way to disagree that's going to convince people to actually listen to what you have to say. Yeah. So what is that?
1: Yeah. It's it's something. <laughs> it's definitely
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 an interesting story. Um Yeah, I mean, you always, uh, again, it's not like, I don't think social media creates wacky people, necessarily. Um, I just think it doesn't help, or it can, like, make it easier for wacky people to, you know, say or do wacky things, maybe, for better or worse, but um, as per your you know, example, there's still plenty of people who can do wacky stuff in the real world, right? <laughs> yes,
1: for real. <laughs> you got to sure. bet those people. Yeah. <laughs> real good. Yeah. Don't look them in the eye. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Yeah, that's probably a good policy. Um, yeah, it's funny because um, I, I feel like I, I meet a lot of interesting people sometimes beach cleaning because, I mean, you have credentials, you know, you're a, a marine science um, person. I'm a guy who cleans beaches. So, <laughs> I get people coming up to me all the time. I had a guy. I think it was a couple of days ago. I was cleaning the beach, and I'm. I am a crazy. I should clarify. I am a crazy person because I was cleaning the beach at five thirty in the morning. Because I'm a crazy person. And that's what I do. And this guy, but but this guy comes because I'm cleaning cigarette butts along the edge of the parking lot. Because I was I was trying to make a video about how cigarette butts, as I I know you know well. Um, they're like the number one most littered item or whatever all that terrible stuff um so i wanted to do a video on picking up all these cigarette butts and this guy just comes flying through the parking lot you know slams on his brake like slides right in front of me and goes hey nice picker and i'm like yeah it's a thank you it's the trash picker he's like yeah great work and then he starts talking to me about how like yeah he cleans up too and he's like we should split up the beach and i go what do you mean and he goes well you know I found 20s, I found hundreds, you know, you take that, that that side, I'll take that side and we'll split. And I'm I'm thinking, okay, uh, why don't you go start down there and uh, I'll start and continue that way. But cool, man. Like I loved his enthusiasm, but I just couldn't uh, quite make sense of exactly what he was saying. Um, so that was good wacky, um, which, yeah. you know, I wonder if he's, you know, maybe comment on my stuff too. Who knows? We, we nice. don't know. But, uh, I forget the point of that story too, but
1: <laughs> uh, we were talking about social media and right. if people are more unhinged, they're oh, okay. <laughs> right.
0: So yeah, I don't. So my, I think my curiosity is what is that guy saying on social media? <laughs> like,
1: yes. I have oh no idea.
0: <laughs> I He's have probably no one idea. One of those
1: people that types in all caps and like does the million exclamation points after every like word that he says. <laughs>
0: It's entirely possible, because uh, it, it, again, that has to be somebody who's actually out there, right? So,
1: oh, I see those people commenting on stuff. It's just yeah. thankfully not my stuff.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I, yeah, exactly. That's what I typically want to uh, want to try to avoid as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if I if I think about, you know, the the work that you do now too, because um, I know you mentioned that you you know recently, r- right? You've relatively recently shifted into this new role of yours?
1: Yes, yeah. about a month ago.
0: Wow, okay. Um, and so that I I know you mentioned um, is doing in part editorial work, right?
1: Yes, it's yeah. I would say most of it is editorial work.
0: Wow. So how's that how's that going? I mean, I'm I'm very curious about that because obviously I don't I don't know if we mentioned but you took my writing class. Um I mean, I, I, I would love to ask, like, are there any lessons from our writing class uh, <laughs> that, that you, you know, still sort of draw upon or you think about or you've developed, you know, into what you use now for something like this in any way, shape or form?
1: Honestly, one of the I guess two things pop into my head and sometimes it comes in in your voice, which is kind of creepy. But <laughs> oh, man,
0: that I, I got to be charging for that. That's like. <laughs> That, that means it's like patented. It's like branded, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. I remember in my class, you made a big point about commas versus semicolons. Because I think, <laughs> I don't know who, maybe it was me. We were semicolon happy. And you're like, no, this is what you use, semicolons. <laughs> and so there's yeah. so many things I edit. To semicolons and from semicolons that are just incorrect and oh really i I do think of our class yes
0: wait so does it bother you when you see them yes oh that's wrong (laughs) so i've ruined your yes (laughs) oh my god that's so funny
1: yeah and um what was the other one that i was gonna say it might come back to me
0: how great well i mean i can say about the the semicolons the semicolons versus commas rule um that is something I still teach, actually. And uh, the first question I ask now is I say, raise your hand if you know how to use a semicolon. And I would say, usually in a class of 20 whatever students, it's like two, maybe. And they're usually wrong. So <laughs> then the question is like, who cares? They're like, well, even if we learn how to use it, why do you use it when you use it? You know, how, how, would, how and when would be a good reason to use it? Um, so I actually do still teach that but that's so funny that that's something that uh, stuck with you but of course you do notice it like I see it I mean I see it in writing all the time where it's either used incorrectly or it's you know just used in a way where I'm like I don't see the connection here um, yeah between maybe what you're trying to do it's it's a very subtle technique like it's not an easy it's not an easy um, what would you call it it's a form of punctuation convention I don't know tool to use um, so I'm still trying to figure out how to teach it because I use it in my published writing, obviously. Um, but it's not like I use it all the time. It's at very deliberate points. So I sort of uh, I'll probably use more of those moving forward as examples where I'm like, oh, hey, I'm trying to draw contrast here or something like that, you know, uh, trying to link these ideas. Because grammatically, yeah, you could, you know, you could have a lot of semicolons if you wanted to from a technical perspective. But it's kind of like uh, exclamation points, right? Like, theoretically, you could put those at the end of every sentence.
1: That was what I was going to say. Oh, really? Yes. I oh, was wow. exclamation point happy. And you're like, Maria, one max. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did I say one max? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And make like, make yeah. it count. Yeah. Make it count. That's funny. Is it, and and these are things that are these things that you notice in the work that you do now? Like you see these um, these things like semicolons and exclamation marks
1: in if- a Federal documents, not really the exclamation yeah. marks, but yeah. I do. Um, I don't want to come off as rude in emails, so mm-hmm. I'll just like put an exclamation point at the end of every sentence, and then I'll be rereading it, and I'm like, nope, this is not good, Maria. Yeah. You sound like a crazy person, <laughs> and then I'll yeah. I'll find the one sentence to use an exclamation mark, and then mm-hmm. I'll take the rest out.
0: It's funny you say that because I tend to overuse them in emails too. Um, And this is something I teach sometimes we'll go over email writing for that reason. And I'll show, oh, if you don't have any, it can almost sometimes sound passive aggressive or sarcastic or something. It's so weird how your expectation of tone changes by, again, who the audience is, uh, what the format is that you're, you know, communicating through. And I use this example all the time. I'm like, yeah, academic writing is great, but it's really to try to teach you genre and audience and applying those lenses to other situations, whether they're personal or professional and those types of communications um, overlap, right? It's like, you could send a personal text or a professional text, you know, to an employee or your superior, your boss, whoever. Um, And same thing with emails or other types of correspondences. And it's like, yeah, you should be taking into account, well, what is the situation, right? You know, what are the expectations? Like, what is their vibe in terms of, you know, how they maybe communicate? So, it's all very, I think, transferably applicable in those ways, right?
1: Yes, hundred percent. And you know, I do try even in emailing, if unless it's someone I know, like going back and forth with like you in a casual way. but mm-hmm. like, for example, um, I was emailing someone on the Stony Brook publication team question mark about you and your tennis balls
0: oh wow a few yeah. years
1: ago yeah. and i was pitching them your story for Earthstock, and yes. right. it ended up being so formally written that i basically ghost wrote the article that they published from you because they were like oh, oh this really is great copy <laughs> so it does come in handy to speak yeah. and write in a proper grammatical way
0: right and for those of you who are wondering what maria means by tennis balls uh As per my earlier point about how I'm a crazy person and I do the beach clean work, I started collecting tennis balls and then I found a lot of tennis balls. And then I somehow was talking to Wilson Sporting Goods and then I somehow got a bunch of tennis ball recycle bins from them and recycled a thousand tennis balls that I found while beach cleaning, which is utter madness again. Uh, But like I said, there's a lot of crazy people on social media. I like to think I'm very happy with my version of craziness on social media so that's that's my version of it um which i think is good <laughs> i'm happy yeah here.
1: i i love your posts yeah they're very they're fun and educational i always get the number of litter items you found wrong in your guests guessing games it's always more than i expect
0: yeah i do you like those because i like okay. posting like okay guess how many cigarette butts i collected did you see the cigarette butt one from the other day
1: I saw it. I don't was it like 141 cigarette butts?
0: Well, it was a 1 hour challenge. So I wanted to see how many that's what I was doing the other day when I met uh that that uh interesting fellow um oh. at the beach. <laughs> I wanted to see how many cigarette butts I could clean up in 1 hour and I got I think I might have posted the wrong number cuz the final number in my full YouTube video was 452. Oh
1: in, my gosh. In an hour,
0: yeah. And that no, was I've the one that I that one. Well, and that so a lot of people guess they were like, ah, I don't know, 100. And I was like, wrong, 452. <laughs> oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah, See, I yep.
0: But that Always was the one days. where the trolls were like, why is he pouring his cigarette butts on the on the beach? And some of some of my followers, they were like, you idiot. Like <laughs> he clearly <laughs> didn't just have 400 cigarette butts to dump on the beach. Um Thanks. But yeah, that was a crazy one. That was that was a lot. That was usually if I find, you know, in an hour bottle caps or something. Yeah, maybe I found 100. And that's obviously crazy, too. So 450 was pretty wild. But as you can imagine, you know, all all of those along parking lots and stuff, you know, people just flicking them, that sort of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the garbage bins, um, it depends where you are, but some of them have holes in it, right? Mm. So a cigarette butts gonna come out of Mm. that hole. Um, Other times, there's no close top on your bin. So your garbage bag like turns inside out and sprays all of the light materials everywhere. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of issues and reasons why cigarette butts end up where they do. Um, But I was curious. I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you been saving anything to make an art installation? I know I attended one of your art shows a while back. Yeah.
0: It's funny you say that because I have to. Oh, man. I found the per okay let me explain uh, I'm getting ahead of myself no because you just triggered in me something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and I just haven't done it because it's so bizarre and so crazy that it's even too much for me oh. and that is I want to make um, I don't know if I'll do it this year because okay, okay so what I want to do is I'm trying to think how to explain it and not sound completely nuts but that's not
1: taking off my judgment glasses (laughs) yeah it's
0: well it's not going to happen so i'm just going to explain it uh the way that it is which is i want to collect a bunch of trash and make for halloween a plastic man outfit like iron man or trash man outfit i want to be trash man or plastic man and just i'm pretty sure i could do it and i say i found a, a broken water gun that i could probably fix but i threw it out um, just mm-hmm. yesterday. So I want to find stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could find enough, pretty much everything. I find everything beach cleaning, right? I find fishing line. I find ropes. I find springs and stuff. I could rig, you know, gear to shoot stuff if I, oh, if I started collecting it and just have that be my Halloween costume. I'm plastic trash man instead of Iron Man, because I, I go out there and try to save the beaches. So your reaction, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think that's, I mean, I think it's wild, but in a good way. Like, I love that idea. I yeah. absolutely love it. And I have thought of similar things. Like, I almost once went as a mermaid. And like a zombie mermaid, and I was going to cover myself with to the trash that I found at the beach, too. So, oh, I kind okay, of have the same kind of crazy wavelength going on, okay.
0: So, that's yeah, <laughs> I, you're on the same similar track. There's something yeah. to it, yeah, there's definitely <laughs> something to it. Okay, that's actually really reassuring because I think I told just my brother this or something, and he said, Yeah, that's a, maybe a bit much, but go no, for it, not
1: much, go and for it. Yeah,
0: I so I might start doing that. I forget why I was explaining this, but um, I asked.
1: <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I, you know, I wanted to just in in the last few minutes, because um, I don't want to take too much of your time up. Uh, and thank you for giving any amount of time to, the, to this particular version of madness. Um, but in terms of marine sciences in general, because as we've been talking about, I mean, obviously, Um, It's funny. I always tell people I I don't want to be cleaning up trash. uh, Really? I love the ocean. I love the beach. I grew up in the beach. Like I'd rather be swimming the whole time. That's what, as we said, I'm going to go hopefully do later. No trash, just swim. Um, But I'm just curious in general, because I have you here and because you're so zoned into obviously um, the marine sciences, you know, is there any particular issue or challenge that stands out to you or that you find yourself even just thinking about that you know whether or not it is something that's often covered in the media or not so much obviously uh, you know we were saying cigarette butts for example that's a very sort of uh you know buzz issue that you you do hear a lot of lot about and I know it's obviously an issue but is there anything like that or um, or, or different than that that you know is really on your mind um, at the moment with marine conservation or um, that that type of work
1: yeah I mean I feel like I have a ton of things that I could say <laughs> for this. Yeah, I think I'll make a general statement and say that I think that the systems in place need to change and be more user-friendly and incorporate, um, different kinds of knowledge than are typically considered. I know recently there's been a big push to incorporate indigenous knowledge in marine conservation, and I think that's great. I went to a conference in Vancouver um, just this past year, and I thought it was amazing how much of a focus that there was on that. Um, And I know that NOAA has been incorporating that um, into their fisheries management plans. I think they have for quite a few years now because that's something I noticed as a student not even recently in this job excuse me and um but like user-friendly in a way also like practical like we were talking about the trash like I took some kids out to Jones Beach for a beach clean and they wanted to throw out what they found in the trash can and I was like look at that trash can If you put all that stuff back in the trash can, it's going to come flying right back out. And that's probably how it got here in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they were contemplating writing a letter to the Jones Beach Management Authority or or whoever, like, please get better garbage cans. But like, you know, there are little things that if we're just a little bit more thoughtful about and we have an expanded awareness and we include other perspectives, like the practical perspectives of fishermen and you know, just even something as simple as listening to a high schooler that will write to you about a garbage can like I I think that it's this type of thing that needs to happen at multiple levels
0: hmm. yeah I, I find as well that's always a big challenge from my perspective is that there are so many um you know there's so many different realities behind how different issues arise and you can apply this to you know a lot of social causes, right there are big factors that stand out to us but there are lots of factors as well that culminate. Um, And this is true, I think with uh, ocean pollution and uh, ocean plastic pollution, for example, where it's like, I've done cleanups on the Hudson river upstate and I'm like, Oh, this makes sense. Why I'm finding, you know, batteries and stuff washed up on our shores downstate because it's somehow falling to the river, right? Whether people are littering it or, you know, you think about one tipped over garbage can times all the garbage cans over the course of a year well, that's stuff's going to the river. The river's coming down to, you know, the ocean. It washes up with a storm surge or something, gets lost in reeds or something like that. Um, it's so much more comprehensive. So, yeah, that sort of need for like collective awareness and, you know, just sort of sharing experiences, but being open to the fact that, well, it's not necessarily just only bad people going to the beach and, you know, throwing their garbage everywhere. That's obviously not great. We see it, I mean, 4th of July weekend, which just passed is the worst for that. Like I'm going to probably end up, as I said, when I go to the beach, picking up 4th of July debris, but I find this stuff, you know, all year round as well. So that's not surprising either, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, I like that, um, that perspective too, because I think it it is true. You know, it is part of the larger reality behind, um, you know, I, I think just the need for that collective awareness, uh, moving forward with again, lots of you know, lots of societal issues um, too. But yes. it's it's so interesting to hear about from the marine, marine science perspective as well, because I'm sort of just on the ground as a weird guy beach cleaning. But <laughs> obviously, you can you can back me up. You know my <laughs> my observations, which is nice.
1: Yes, I mean you do have credits. You founded a beach cleaning organization. You've been beach cleaning for a while.
0: Yeah, like, it's been how a many while. years? Uh, probably. I think I start. What was funny is I probably started doing it like six, seven years ago, but I only started doing like social media stuff with it maybe in the last three years, really like right before COVID.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. seven years, yeah. doesn't that make you an expert? Isn't that the rule? You do oh, is it? For seven years. Maybe do... I'm, I'm mistaken, but that's what was uh, th- always in my brain. <laughs> well, I think
0: it's like 10,000 hours or something or and Lovely. maybe, maybe I like seven years better because I can do a little <laughs> bit of it for seven years and then claim I'm an expert. Yeah. So let's go with that. Yeah, let's um, go with that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Well, uh, that's pretty much everything I wanted to ask. I did have a final question.
1: Sure.
0: Um, I don't, I don't know if it's a really good question. It's a new question, but I'm kind of curious what what you you might say. So that question is, okay. if if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: Ooh, you I didn't see that coming, this... did you?
0: Oh, you, you, I did. Think about <laughs> you it. did. I
1: think about it. Really? Uh, you know, before I met my husband, I would have probably said like mind reading hmm. or something of that nature, you know, because I think that it would be so cool to know what people's true intentions are. Mm-hmm. But also I like feel like it would hurt my feelings. So maybe not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're <laughs> um, like, actually, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, it's not my business, Yeah, don't need to know that. Yeah, interesting. That's but interesting.
1: Whenever I say an answer, you know, when he asks me this question, he's like, wrong. You want it to be telekinesis. And I'm like, why? And he was like, because you can like change the atoms with your mind and you could apply it to everything. Mm. Like you can make any kind of superpower you want with that. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> that's my like standard answer now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right, so it's it's almost it's it's like mind reading plus. Basically, it's just a better, a more evolved version of mind reading.
1: It's like an evolved superpower. I don't know if it's mind reading. Maybe I said the wrong thing. I I bet you I did. But like, I'm picturing that thing where you can move things with your mind and like yeah, things. I think that's telekinesis. I think. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, I'll have to I'll have to bone up on that. Uh, right. Well, if you're
0: g- if you're going to use it. Yeah. You, you. Well, you could juggle with your mind. You could just kind of like stare at the balls yeah. and they would juggle. Yeah.
1: And you can like go to like a molecular level and like, you know, change things around like that. But yeah. So that's now the answer that I give.
0: Nice. I like that. That's that's pretty that's pretty good. That's I because I, I don't know if I have an answer myself for that question. So that's as good of an answer as any that I yeah. can think of. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, um, for for joining. I don't know if you have any final questions or or thoughts.
1: This was really fun. I'm glad we got to catch up. It's been a while since I have seen you face to face or face to face ish since we're on video chat. Yeah.
0: Well, between COVID and the gazillion papers, (laughs) it's been busy, (laughs) but, um, yeah, hopefully soon again, uh, we'll, 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 we'll definitely talk more. Uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you so much again, honestly, for joining me this week. This was great. Um, And thank you, listeners, whoever you are, wherever you are, for joining us. Uh, We hope that you've learned a thing or two, because I know I certainly have. And if you like what you hear, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And feel free to drop us a like or a comment to let us know what you think also uh we also have new episodes every uh first monday the first monday of every month rather so we would love to see you back for the next one so until then stay safe out there be well and as always keep on learning oh where's the record button no i'm kidding
1: oh my god (laughs)